Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the internet. This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live down the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will discuss the question, Can all of our sins be forgiven? We will be looking at what the Bible teaches. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland in the United States of America. More about our guests after you've had some music. Those who 
have sought you You've never said no Now wash me and I Can all of our sins be forgiven? We will be discussing this question tonight with Elder Ray Ricardo. Have a pen and a paper ready to write down some notes. Let's call him now and see if he's available. Hello, good evening, Elder Ricardo. You are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you this evening? Fine, thank you, John. Doing well. Praise the Lord. Yourself? Yes, very well, by God's grace. Well, Elder Ricardo, tonight we'll discuss these questions together with the audience. What does the Bible say forgiveness means? Through whom do we have the forgiveness of sin? How many times must we forgive others if they sin against us? Does the Bible teach that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven? And will there be a time that God will stop hearing the prayers of sinful men? So, Elder Ricardo, before we start this evening, would you mind praying to open the show this evening? Our Father in Heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege and opportunity we have to come together to study and to take the time to meditate on your Word. This is such a wonderful topic to discuss, and we pray that you'll grant us wisdom from above, your Holy Spirit abide with us, and I thank you once again for all you've done and continue to do for us. So bless John and myself, and bless those that are listening in. May this meeting be a success for the kingdom of heaven, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo. What does the Bible say forgiveness means? 
Well, you know, John, again, this is a wonderful topic uh, dealing with the issue of forgiveness, yes. and uh, which uh, we all need, of course. And, and, and I tell you, there's so many aspects to the concept uh, in regard to the uh, grace of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. One text that comes to my mind, John 14, 27, yes. when Jesus was talking here, and of course, let me go back and just kind of highlight a little bit here in John 14. John 14, he's comforting the saints and uh, t- basically saying, you know, um, uh, if I go, I'll prepare a place for you in the early part of the chapter there, verse 3. Verse verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me or through me. In other words, Jesus is the means by which we achieve that wonderful gift. Yes. And then, of course, he continues on to deal with the various issues of the sending the Holy Spirit. But again, you're dealing with the issue of forgiveness. And we found find here, and again, to me, this is um, the very uh, one of the very uh, poignant points. Yes. And that is dealing with uh, John uh, verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, troubled, neither let it be afraid. So when you're looking at the issue of God's grace uh, and, and, and forgiveness, uh, what does it really mean? It really yes. means peace. And what, we, what do we mean when, when the Bible describes peace? Well, we're talking peace of mind. Peace from guilt and shame, you well, know, and and uh, peace from uh, the 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 worries of of uh, of the past. So it's a beautiful thing, really. What does it mean to be forgiven? It means to be reconciled to God and obtaining that peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I would uh, say because now. Us um, looking at this, because many people just think that forgiveness is just something that's just said and that's it, that there's, um, you know, there's no um, personal meaning to it other than that. It's just something that's dryly said and that, you know, that's finished and done. Mm. But can we not say that forgiveness centers in God and in Christ? Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Look. You know, you you brought up something uh, that I think is important. You know, some people seem to think that um, forgiveness is um, uh, something that it, it, it's almost as if it's an excuse to continue on in the pathway that they've been going on all uh, all along. Yes. But in order to have that peace of mind, you know, this again, we got we, we're looking here in John fourteen. I mean, because this this whole chapter is just beautiful. Um, yes. If you look, for example, in verse 14, he says, If any man ask anything in my name, I will do it. And that includes asking for the forgiveness of sins. Yes. Uh, but then look at the next verse. He says, If you love me, and this is the qualifying factor, you know, look, if, look it really comes down to the issue of whether you love God or not. And yes. if you love me, he says, keep my commandments. And so the very essence of receiving the forgiveness of God relegates itself to the issue of whether or not I love him. And if you really love him, then you will do uh, what it is that God uh, asks of you. I mean, if you're in a, 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 a relationship, uh, let's say a, a marriage relationship, and the, the the spouse asks you to do something for them, as yeah. long as it's not something 
unethical or immoral or whatever the case you know may be in regard to those things. But let's just say it's a reasonable request, uh, and let's just say that that it's something that would make the person happy. Now, if you really love them, surely you will go do that. Now, you're not doing that to try to earn uh, your love or their love. Excuse me. You're try- you're doing that. Because you love them. In other words, what's the driving force? Yes. It's the uh, it's your it's your love uh, for that individual. And of course, in the same with with uh, Jesus Christ, love for Him propels you to to uh, make sure that you do all that you can uh, to make Him happy. And of course, forgiveness uh, is a is a is a privilege. It's a blessing, but it's also a responsibility in the sense that. We have to realize if we want to maintain that forgiving state, you know, the state of forgiveness, or yes. we call justification, you know, there is a responsibility in our part. You know, we need to continue to abide in Christ. As you said, Jesus is the answer. Yes. So, Elder, you've, you're basically sharing with us and stating us that, in essence, that um, forgiveness also... Um, gives us a responsibility to live responsibly after we've asked for someone's forgiveness or after we've asked for especially God's forgiveness, that we can't just be asking for forgiveness and then doing wrong things again to the person or even more seriously towards God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it does, and it places upon you a great responsibility. You're entering into a covenant relationship with God, and therefore, uh, because it's a covenant, uh, which is made between two parties, yes. uh, there's contractual agreements that you're making, the obligations that you have towards each other. On the one hand, God is promising you that he will forgive you, bless you, help you, and comfort and protect you. And at last, in the end, uh, promises you uh, the crown of life. You, in return, uh, agree to the covenant relationship and the conditions, of course, are very simple, and Deuteronomy makes this very clear, but it's a two-letter word. If you obey me, I will bless you, God says. If you disobey, then, then I will curse you. And so they, they're, it's very simple. It comes down to the issue of whether or not you do love him, and that's the covenant uh, motivating factor in the covenant. And the conditions, of course, relegates itself to the Ten Commandments. Yes. Uh, not that, again, not that not that the Ten Commandments save you, but they become the condition by which God saves you. In other words, the 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 um, this is the covenant agreement you're making. You know, whenever you buy a, or purchase, like say, a vehicle or a home, yeah, and you're taking out a loan from the bank in order to purchase such a uh, expensive uh, a purchase here. Well, obviously, there's contractual agreements. The bank is taking a risk, yes. and the bank is going to, in order to ensure it's, uh, that its risk isn't as high as it should be, is going to need some collateral, some means by which that it can guarantee its loan. Yes. And uh, you and then return, say, okay, I agree, and the conditions will be according as the contract is, is stated. And so, look, when you, when you come and seek forgiveness from God, uh, you know, there is a contractual obligation. Right. Uh, and so, uh, but it really comes down to the issue of understanding that we have uh, a wonderful g- a gift given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that gift is freely offered to all who ask. Yes, and this takes us nicely to the next um, question of discussion now, next point of discussion. 
through whom do we have the forgiveness of sin? Yeah, well, I tell you what, for just a moment, we're going to stay in John 14, because uh, these are the words of Jesus. Then we're going to, I'm going to take you over to Acts chapter 5 for a moment. Yes. But let's look at this again. Once again, um, of course, Jesus is talking to me. He says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And, uh, and he says, uh, Thomas, of course, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Uh, how can we tell, uh, you know, know the way, he says. Right. In other words, now Jesus t- t- takes advantage of this and, and illustrates uh, that uh, a broader picture. He, he's, he's expanding much broader than where location, where he's going in terms of location. Uh, in this particular case, he's going to broaden it out to salvation. And Jesus said unto, unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So through whom do we have life, forgiveness? Who, whom do we, it's through Jesus Christ, and only yes. through Jesus Christ. And no man can go to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Jesus yes. is the only means by which it has been appointed by the Father uh, to save mankind. Um, and anything uh, other than that is simply denying uh, the testimony of God's Word, and denying really the glory of Jesus Christ. Uh, so through Jesus Christ, we have our, 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 our salvation. Now, let's look over to Acts chapter 5 for a moment. Um, Acts chapter 5, we're looking here in verse 31, Acts 5. Let's look now here, verse 31, Acts 5, 31. Now, the context here uh, in chapter 5 is, of course, at least in verse 29, 30, and so forth. It's talking about Jesus Christ. He's the focal point. Uh, And look what it says here in verse 31. It says, uh, Him, referring to Jesus, has God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Yes. So, once again, it's an affirmation of our salvation is through Christ. The forgiveness of sin can only be obtained through Him. Yes. You know, I've had, I've had people say to me, are you suggesting that unless I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I cannot be saved, I can't go to heaven? And I, and I always tell them, so look, it's not a matter of what I say or what I think regarding this issue, or for that matter, any particular issue relative to, to, the, uh, to the Holy Bible. The question is, what does God say? Yes, what amen. is the testament of the Word of the Lord? And the testimony is very clear, that unless someone accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you cannot, as Jesus said, you cannot go to the Father. In other words, heaven will, it cannot be your home. Um, and the reason being, John, this yes. seems, you know, to some people rather a, a, um, a strange or somewhat harsh uh, concept. But let me explain why. Nice. Jesus is the only means by which we can obtain salvation and forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus is the one who paid the price for the penalty of sin. Nice. And, uh, and he's the, the only one who could um, fulfill the requirements that was necessary to be the savior of the human race. Therefore, that, that, uh, that simply eliminates any other person or being or, or any other way in which one can obtain salvation. You cannot obtain salvation through your works. You can't sal- find salvation um, trying to be a good person yes. or anything else that you might want to um, um, uh, p- uh, present as a means by which uh, to justify your position. 
Bible makes it clear, salvation can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the appointed agency by which God has ordained that mankind should find redemption. And, uh, and that's very clear, very yes. clear. Yes, and I'd just like to say to our listeners that in future shows, God willing, we'll be studying the reason as to why Elder Ricardo is stating as what the Bible states, that Jesus can only be the only one through which sins can be forgiven, and why. And so, well, Elder Ricardo, I don't need not to add anything more to um, what's been said about um, the point that we've been discussed. It's plain, from Acts chapter 5, the Bible's plain, it's only through Jesus that we can have forgiveness of sins. So now, you know, how many times must we forgive others if they sin against us, Elder? Now again, this is uh, these questions are very timely and very, uh, very poignant uh, and, and 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 vital. Look, if you go to Matthew chapter eighteen, yes, and uh, in, in in this particular account, um, you know, it starts here in verse twenty-one, Matthew eighteen twenty-one. It says, "Then came Peter to him and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times?" Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Right. Now, seven in the Bible is a perfect number. It's, it's actually a number that, uh, that uh, is, a, is a holy number. It's a godly yes. number. Uh, for, you know, uh, the seven days of crea- you know, the creation, the seventh day being the Sabbath, yes. um, and other issues that you look at throughout the Scriptures. Right. But in this particular case, you look, it's very fascinating. Peter went on to say seven times. Now, why did Peter say that? Because when you look at this uh, seven times, Peter actually thought he was being very gracious and, and really thought this was the correct answer. Yes. Um, but notice what Jesus says. This is very interesting. And Jesus, and, and Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee seven times, but, uh, but until seven time, 70 times seven. So that's 490. Yes. Uh, and there's a reason why I'm going to talk about that in a second, why that number is, was, was picked out. It wasn't randomly chosen by Jesus. Right. That's just not some fictitious number. He, you know, he just pulled out of thin air. Yes. There's a divine reason as to why he chose that. And, uh, and I'm sure later on in the series uh, you will present the sanctuary message oh, yes. to, to the listening audience. But if you look at 70 times 7, that comes out to 490. Well, that yes. goes right to the book of Daniel, having to do with the 70 weeks of Daniel there in chapter 9, and of course yes. has a direct correlation to Daniel 8.14, uh, yes. the 2300-day prophecy. So Jesus is giving you a clue, is really what he's doing, that, that, the, that uh, you're getting two things here. Uh, one, the issue of, uh, of a, uh, a, um, a reference point to the sanctuary and, and the meaning of that in relation to forgiveness. Yes. So somehow there's a correlation, as Jesus is bringing it out, between the uh, prophecies of Daniel 8 and 9 relative to the sanctuary that have a direct correlation with the issue of forgiveness of sins. Salvation, yes. in other words. So it's a direct correlation. And number two, what does he mean by 70 times 7? In other words, beyond that. Well, what he's in essence saying to, to, to Peter and to all of us here, meaning that, it, uh, that you shouldn't just forgive two or three or four or five times. You should forgive all the time. In other words, it's not a fixed number. Right. 
Yes. It's, it's not a specific number. If someone, <clears throat> excuse me, if someone does something to you that's inappropriate, um, should you forgive them? Of course you should. Um, so, so it's not, uh, it's not a, it's not an issue of, uh, how many times so much as it has to do that, you know, our attitude towards someone who offends us that has done wrong toward us and we should have forgiveness abiding in our hearts. So, um, how many times should we forgive people? However many times you have been offended in, in a wrongful ma- way. Yes. So whatever that yeah. might be for you, might be one number. For me, it might be another number. Right. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It's not. That's not the issue. The issue is, do you have a forgiving heart? Now, why? Why is Jesus bringing this out? There's a reason. How many times has Jesus forgiven you? Yes. Well, you see, and and so it really kind of dovetails into what you're talking about later on in the subject. But the, but the point is, Jesus forgives you as long as you have not reached that point of no return. You understand? Yes. So in other words, yes. it's open to you. And so that's that's really what it's about. Yes, and I appreciate that you've made it plain to us that as a Christian, especially as a professed Christian, even if someone is professing to say that they serve and love God, that one should therefore have a forgiving heart. Isn't that right, mm-hmm. Elder? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Now, does the Bible teach that there is a sin that cannot be forgiven? You know, because um, some people believe that God will forgive all sins no matter what, looking at at the research that was done by the researcher, while some don't. Um, But what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? How can we clarify this issue from scriptural record? Now, you know, again, we're talking about a very interesting issue of of the forgiveness of sins and whether or not there's a point of no return. Uh, You know, some people, sadly to say, even within, you know, particularly within the Christian Church, what they do is they abuse the grace of God. Um, um, And in some cases, they they, uh, may not be realizing what they're doing. But the point is that you know, there comes a point, even God has a limit. For, let me give an example. Right. Uh, you look at in, in the book of Genesis and the story of Noah and the flood, right there in Genesis 6. You're looking at, at that account. Yes. Um, and he told Noah, I'll give you 120 years. Now, that was a limit. He said, after that, judgment day is coming. Right. So is there a limit to God's forbearance? That's the issue we should be looking at. Yes. And, you know, there is. And, and throughout the Bible, you'll find biblical accounts, uh, whether it applies to, and as I made reference to the antediluvian world, whether it applies to a world empire like, such as Babylon or Medo-Persia or Greece uh, or, uh, or, or, or cities, towns, villages, or even families and individuals. There are biblical accounts where God's forbearance uh, has reached its limit, or we call it, you know, the cup is, is filled up, it runs yes. over, it won't hold any more mercy. And this is in the book of Revelation, you'll find that very clearly. But let's go in, first of all, to Matthew chapter 12, we're already in the book of Matthew, so right. let's stay there, and let's look at Matthew 12, and let's look at verse 21. Matthew 12, uh, 
31, I apologize, 31. Matthew chapter 12, starting with verse 31. This is Jesus speaking, and listen very carefully. He says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. So there is a particular sin Yes. That uh, that can not be forgiven, but also the, which indicates very clearly there's a limit as well by implication of the argument. If there's a particular sin that cannot be forgiven, that means by well uh, as well that there's a limit to which God will forgive. Yes. In other words, does He forgive any and every sin? Well, technically, you know, technically, you know, when we when we're looking at this issue, technically, no. In other words. Uh, he will forgive all sins except one sin, and that's the sin of blasphemy yes. against the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, so there is a limit uh, to, to to God's uh, uh, um, uh, forbearance in that that in that case. So, it's very clear. It's very very clear. If you go, for example, First Timothy chapter four, look at this. In First Timothy, uh, let's get over there to First Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Let's look here. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what Paul is saying here now. This is speaking about the last days. Right. And he's describing the, those who have turned away from God. Uh, he says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, or in the last times, or last days, some shall depart from the faith. So some people are going to give up their faith in God, right. sadly to say. And and, and, and and by what means? In other words, how is this going to be brought about? He says, by giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In other words, they've been deluded and misled, and so they they have they have turned away from the faith of God. Right. Uh, but it goes on to say they reach a point where they are in, uh, well, as we would say, the point of no return. He says, speaking lies and hypocrisy. So... They're hypocritical in, in, in their stance because they, apparently, a hypocrite is someone who professes something and does the opposite of yes. what they profess. Yes. So the context here, clearly, these people, they have left the faith, but they haven't left their profession that they're still Christians. Yes, right. See? Yes. So he's saying that they're speaking lies in hypocrisy, so they're still telling lies because they've, in, they've, uh, they've uh, accepted the false doctrines. But notice what happens, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Mm. So what does that indicate? That indicates, dear friends, that when a person reaches the point of no return by rejecting the promptings of the Holy Spirit, they will reach a point, if they persist uh, in their rebellion against God, the point of no return. In other words, they have seared their conscience. Uh, you know, when you uh, take a piece of rope, for example, mm-hmm. and um, and you cut it, uh, and for a certain length that you might need, uh, you have to sear the ends so the ends don't uh, splinter away. Uh, you don't want that to happen, so you have to sear the end, and that way it doesn't uh, cause a problem later. Now, what are you doing when you sear the end? You're hardening the end part, that la- that that real tip yes. of the rope. And uh, and this makes sure that nothing can come apart. So what what does it mean to sear the conscience? It means you've hardened your conscience. You no longer want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. You no longer want to obey what the, what He's telling you. Yes. And so there comes a point. Uh, whatever that now now the point of no return is up to God, not up to us in one yes, sense because we don't know where that 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 point is. Yes. 
However, the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews, and David confirms this in Psalms, because Paul is quoting David, he says, Today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the day in provocation. Meaning in the day that God calls you, you should obey, because you may not realize that if you reject him, that could possibly be the point of no return. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case for 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 maybe someone here listening today. However, I, I I'm just trying to help you to understand that there that it could be a possibility, um, and uh, and so you have to realize that uh, there is a sin that cannot be forgiven, and it's not that God doesn't want to forgive you, but you have placed yourself in a position where you refuse to be forgiven. Yes. In other words, it's 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 the for example, why why did God destroy the antediluvian world? They had reached the point of no return. They no longer wanted to be forgiven. In other words, they had rejected the promptings of the Spirit to the point, no matter what God had, would have said or done, they still would not have repented. The yes. same with the, the the Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. Uh, they were destroyed because of their immoral, perverted lifestyles. Uh, and so what happened? They reached the point of no return. And God said, okay, that's it. It's over. So there is a sin, and it's called the sin against the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, Elder, quite plain and simply, the, the message is don't play with God, isn't <laughs> it? You know, when the Holy Spirit, well, this is again what David says, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart is yes. the day in provocation. You know, in other words, he's telling you that's a warning shot. He's yes. really warning you. Don't, don't, don't. It's a very serious thing. It is a very serious thing to to turn away from the Lord. Yes, yes. Well, Elder, thanks for that explanation. And um, now, will there be a time that God will stop hearing the prayers of sinful men? You know, uh, it's a very good point. Now we're looking at a broad, we're broadening out the concept of a, a sin against the Holy Spirit. Yes. In this particular case, we're looking at it from a a a, a, the glo- a global perspective. In other words, we're, the human race as a whole. Yes. Now. Is there ever a point where God will say enough is enough uh, for the human hum- humanity? Yes. And if if you go with me to Revelation twenty two. Uh, and you look here in verse um, 11, there is a decree, a decree that God puts forth at the end of time that indicates uh, that when this decree is issued, uh, if you're righteous, then you will remain righteous, and if you're not uh, righteous, you will remain unrighteous. So that clearly indicates, and I'll read the text in a second, but yes. that clearly indicates there is a point by which God will uh, say enough is enough. Now, again, do we know the day or the hour? No. no. Do uh, and, and by the way, if anybody even tells you they think they know the, uh, the, the day and the hour of the close of human probation, is, that is absolute nonsense. Nobody knows it. This is only in the mind of God, for yes. he alone knows when the cup runs over. So let's make that very clear. But let's look here at verse 11. This is the decree. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. 
He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So here is the decree that goes forth and uh, and is issued uh, at the time of the close of human probation. As a matter of fact, in the book of Daniel, chapter chapter 12, yes. if you go there with me real quick, in Daniel chapter 12, he is actually describing that moment uh, when the decree goes forth. And this, by the way, ties into the 70 times 7. Yes. And I'll explain that in a second. Um, and again, I know you're going to be covering this later on, but look what it says here in Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time shall Michael, and that's another name for Jesus Christ, meaning, which really simply means the one who's the leader of the host of heaven. Uh, at that time, Michael shall stand up. Now that phrase, stand up, that stand up indicates clearly, prior to this, he was doing something uh, that was important of, or vital in the work of salvation. And now... Uh, that work is finished. He stands up indicating it's now a finished act. And so he shall stand up. The great prince which stands for on behalf of the children of your people. And then, of course, he then describes the time of trouble that will come. So the standing up of Michael of Daniel 12, 1, indicates very clearly there comes a point where Christ, as the mediator mediator of uh, of mankind, and this again is dovetailing in the the entire book of Hebrews, uh, where he ceases to his mediatorial work. And this has a direct correlation uh, to the 70 weeks of Daniel 9, the 2300 days of Daniel 8, and uh, and it really shows that there is a point by which God will indicate it's over. He will not forgive anyone's sin anymore uh, because mercy has ceased uh, to operate, yes. because Jesus is no longer functioning as a mediator, and yes. therefore now judgment must come. Yes, and this is so vital for each and every one of us as human beings to understand that God does have his limits of forbearance of sin. Mm. You see, that mm. he can only allow sin to be um, to exist for a certain amount of time, you know, before right. he has to make an end of it. And as it says here, as you've pointed to us, Elder, so that he can deliver his people from this wicked world. You see? That's right. And so, um, right. and as Elder Ricardo said, we'll be taking looking at this subject step by step point by point in future shows as we broaden out the concept and so elder at this time we're gonna have a break and we'll come back and we'll round off with closing thoughts thank you Yeah. Hey. 
Elder DiCardo, final thoughts this evening. Can all our sins be forgiven? Well, you know, again, a very important topic, a vital one regarding our salvation. And I'd like to just emphasize in closing that the only means by which we can be saved is through Jesus Christ. And that um, he longs for us to embrace him and to follow in his footsteps. Um, you know, it, it's not a difficult thing to be forgiven. Just come to him as you are. Ask him into your heart and life to be your savior. And uh, and I tell you, friends, you'll never regret it. And uh, also, again, a vital issue to remember is that we don't want to despise the grace of God. We don't want to abuse his mercy. And so let us take heed to those uh, lessons that have gone before us uh, so that we don't uh, follow in the footsteps of those who have committed the unpardonable sin. And uh, But remember, we do have a serve a loving Savior, and uh, is willing abundantly above all that we ask or think to do, and that is, most of all, to love us and to forgive us. Amen. Well, thank you, Elder Ricardo, for spending the time this evening with us. And um, would you like to pray as we close the discussion this evening? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you, and we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ask that you please bless us. And we know that you're full of grace and mercy. We pray that you please come and take our hearts, 
wash us in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that we may um, enjoy the wonderful gift of forgiveness. Bless us and keep us now, and help us, dear Lord, always to be mindful of, of your loving watch care. So through Christ our Lord and Savior we pray. Amen. Amen. Elder Ricardo, thank you once again for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you'd like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 0794406286. If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free tract called God's Willingness to Forgive. Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 22, you will find the subject God's Willingness to Forgive. This will give you more information about today's topic. On next week's show, we will discuss the question, what does it mean for us to be saved? Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful biblically based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.